Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, Episode 83, Relationships and Recovery, Part 2. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. This is Dr. Donna Bevanley helping you heal your family legacy. Last time we talked about, well, relationships. That, that's a big one. And um, I asked you to think about, are you able to have your boundaries with your spouse or your partner? And for that matter, kids, parents, whatever, right? But But we're talking about primary relationships now. And it was a a response to a request from a, an individual who uh, asked me to address this issue. It's a big one. So I want you to think about that. Think about what is a boundary to you, because this is one of the main issues around recovery from any addiction in when you are trying to have any kind of relationship, and that is my boundaries keep myself contained. Okay. That's what a boundary is. I am self-contained. I'm self-contained in where my body's standing. I'm self-contained around what I feel. I'm self-contained around what I think, what my beliefs are. That's self-containment. And as soon as I walk over trying to convince you, make you understand give you more in, more information when you haven't asked for it, when I'm in your physical space, I am no longer self-contained. Now, I'm out of my boundary system. I've heard uh, people talk about this in terms of staying in your hula hoop. Okay, you know what a hula hoop is? One of those round things. I used to be good at it when I was young, when they first came out. And now I can barely keep one up, but whatever I could exercise, I guess I could try. Um, but a hula hoop, if you just put a hula hoop around you, you say, okay, as soon as I step out of this in order to get to you, in order to talk to you, in order whatever, I'm, I'm out of it. 
But, you know, that's a simplistic kind of way of looking at it because boundaries really are bigger than that. You know, I was, I was talking in a meeting the other day about spiritual boundaries. Like, you know, as soon as I'm thinking about what God's doing or what God's plan is or what, you know, what God's doing right now or what, you know, it's like I am out so out of my own boundary system. Now I've leaped over into God's boundaries. How's that? How's that for a boundary breakdown? Okay. So I have to keep myself contained because as soon as I'm out of my own boundaries, now I'm over into someone else's reality. I'm not taking care of my own business. And that's all really that I can do is take care of my own business. So in relationship, I I was talking about the couple that had the six-year-old that wasn't grasping math issues or math concepts readily. How one person thought we need to get, you know, we need to go get professional help. We need to get a tutor. We need to do all this. And the other person saying, uh, in their own reality, thinking, this child is six. They're in the first grade. Great. They're just starting to talk about the concepts of math. Can we give it a little time? Right? Now, when you're listening to me talk about this, you might think, yeah, but, you know, if the kid doesn't get the basic concepts of math, they're going to have problems in the future. That might be your position. Or your position might be, Let's give it a little time. Let's talk to the teacher. Let's, you know, and there's no right answer to that. Okay. People who have successful relationships, meaning that they let la- their relationships last, they go the distance, like they compromise. You know, every time they go into a situation where they know that their spouse or their partner is going to have a different opinion or or they don't know, but they find out quick enough that there's a different opinion. Instead of thinking, oh, I, mine's right, they think, okay, well, I can see that we're going to have compromise here. Successful relationships require compromise and they require commitment. When you decide that, okay, I'm going to be in this relationship. The commitment is not to forever and ever. It means that daily I'm going to commit myself to making sure that I do my part in this relationship and that I'm not going to go outside the relationship to find someone else to talk to unless it's a professional. And I'm going to communicate my needs and my wants. I'm going to communicate what my thoughts are and what my feelings are. And it's not difficult. It's pretty simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. I'm telling you what I think. I think that, you know, my six-year-old needs to have a little time. I think that it might be about maturation and they'll mature because they are learning something new every 15 seconds. I think that we need to give it a little time. That's my thought. And my feelings about it are, I'm not worried. 
I feel pretty calm about it. I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. I think that it's normal. I don't have to have the same thoughts. I don't have to have the same feelings as you. I don't even need to say that because as as soon as I do, you know, I'm using that you word, you, you, you. I'm immediately out of my boundary system as soon as I do that. Now I'm over in your reality. Okay. And I need to be able to cooperate with you on this. That means that we are going to have a compromise. It means that I don't have to have my way. But a compromise means that we both get something. So it might come down to, well, you know, okay, we'll give it a few months and revisit it. But in the meantime, I'm going to start doing some exploration and find out who might be a good tutor in in the event we get one. Okay. You see, both people are getting something out of that. That's a compromise. And then one of the things that you can only do if you can do it for yourself, and that is to have compassion. Until you have compassion for yourself, that compassion thing isn't going to happen for anyone else. Okay, And compassion doesn't mean that I'm feeling sorry for you. It means that I have a sense of what you're going through and I want to support you in that. But I don't need to do that and take away from what I'm going through at the same time. Okay, so like I can have compassion for the pain and suffering that you're experiencing, but I don't need to jump out of my boundary system and have it with you. I can appreciate it. I can try to understand what it must be like. I can, you know, and this is one of the things I, that might be kind of hard for people, unless you've been in the space, I can give you the space to have whatever feelings and experiences you're having right now. Now, and that means there might be quiet. You know, when I've worked with people who have been suffering from a horrible loss, not a horrible, any loss can be horrible, but from the loss of somebody that they really loved and cared about, and they're in there talking to me in my office about it, sometimes the best thing to do is just be quiet. And listen. That's giving space to somebody as part of a compassionate experience. I don't need to fix you. I don't need to come over there and pat you on the back or, you know. I mean, periodically I would pull out a con a Kleenex and hand it to them. But I don't even give them the box. Because if I'm going to be there, I'm not going to, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you're in a lot of pain 
somebody's you've lost somebody or you've lost this uh, you know relationship or something and you're just feeling so sad or maybe you're even crying somebody pats you on the back you stop feeling it don't you that's a that's an indication stop not on purpose but that ha- that's the impact giving space and and this is important for your relationship i'm going to give you space to have whatever feelings that you're having about whatever it is. I mean, in little things and in big things. Say, you know, say I told you I'd be home at 3 and I don't get there till 3.30 and I didn't call you because I was on the road and I don't use my cell phone on the road. So I just had to, you know, just try and manage my way to get home as soon as I could. And when I walk in, you're angry, you're hurt. Maybe we missed something that you really wanted to participate in or be at because of my lateness. If I just sit there and listen and not make excuses, you know, it's like unless you ask me what happened, I'm not going to make excuses. If you ask me, that's another story. Okay. But most of the time, if I just sit there and listen to you, have your experience, by the time you're done talking, you feel better. And I can just say, I'm sorry, I'm going to try harder next time to leave earlier. Even in the the, uh, situation I talked about with the child, with the... You know, who's having trouble, the six-year-old is having trouble with the math concepts, not grasping them soon enough, and say, you might be really upset about that. I'm not. Let's say I'm the one that's over there going, well, now my kid's six years old. And that would probably be me in reality. <clears throat> um, but let's say... My spouse is very upset and really is struggling with this. I'll listen. Well, you know, I'm worried that they'll never get those concepts. And then, they, you know, when they're in high school, they won't be able to take math and they won't be able to take calculus. And then when they try and get in college and blah, blah, blah. And if I just sit there and listen without trying to change your mind, Because guess what? Your opinion is valuable to me. And if I'm able to realize that your opinion is valuable to me, it isn't my job to change it. It isn't my job to try and change your opinion, change your feelings, change you in any way. Then we probably aren't going to have a big conflict that will devolve and we end up in the therapy office six months later going, we don't know what it is we're fighting about. We have communication problems. Now, I will venture to say that if you have boundaries, if both of you have your own boundaries, it's just not going to go down that rabbit hole. You know, and when I've convinced people to have boundaries with each other and that it isn't required that you all have the same opinion about anything, 
I have people say to me, well, this should have been bigger. We should have been able, you know, isn't, don't they have to agree with me on this in order to get past it? No, they don't. I mean, even in a situation where, you know, the couple's in my office because one of them has had an affair and the other one's found out about it. Like they come in and I say, okay, tell me what's going on. And, you know, it's usually the person that has had the affair that says, well, you know, I had an affair and, you know, I don't know how to make this right. And I say, there really isn't any way to make this right except to not have any more affairs. But you've got to be able to listen to the impact that it's had on your partner. And if that means that you're going to sit there for six months every week and listen to the impact, then that's what you're going to do. <laughs> and try and understand how, you know, have some compassion to what that person's going through. That's what a boundary is. Because at some point, he or she will be through that trauma of that immediate acute pain and even might even trust you that now that you haven't tried to explain, get defensive, rationalize, justify, you're just listening and periodically saying, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that anymore that at some point that might start a healing process. Now, let's say you're in recovery, you have boundaries, but your spouse does not. And that's really a hard one. But what you do, as soon as you think, okay, my spouse isn't in recovery, if that's a true statement, and, you know, you probably know, then you get your eyes off your spouse. Stop thinking about what they're doing or not doing in their, quote, recovery. Because if they're not in recovery for their childhood trauma, then that doesn't change the fact that you need to stay focused on you. That means that whenever issues come up, and they don't need to be big ones, just little ones. It's like when you ask, oh, should we have which we have for dinner tonight. And then when they say, I don't know, you've got to stop yourself from saying, what, well, you know what? If you're going to be in recovery, you've got to stop saying, I don't know. You've got to make a decision. You just think to yourself, well, okay, I guess I'll just have to make that decision. Or I can come up with a few things. Throw a few things out. Well, do you want to have fish? Well, do you want to have chicken? Well, do you want to have a salad? Yes, no, yes, no, okay, fine. I'm still, you know, it might feel like if you're the one in recovery that you're doing most of the work in the relationship. And I would venture to say that to keep the relationship going and keep it healthy, you probably are going to be more responsible to do that in the relationship, but that you'd be doing it anyway. Okay. If you're going to, if you're going to start keeping score, it's not going to work out anyway. 
But it might require you to do more work because maybe sometimes you'd just like to say, why don't you say what you want once in a while? Okay. Like if they're not in recovery for their childhood trauma, they don't know their reality and that's one of their issues. They're not going to be able to do it. They might try, but you're just going to have to say, okay, well, how about this or how about that? (laughs) And remember, recovery from codependence and childhood trauma means that you are now more mature. And when children are, you know, when they are too afraid to say what they think or want, Parents start, or they're too young to know what they think or want, and say, oh, would would you like lunch? Ah, uh, okay. What do you want? I don't know, because they're too young. So what do parents do? They start, well, would you like a peanut butter sandwich, or would you like, you know, a bowl of soup? You have to give options. Because if your partner is not in recovery, for their childhood trauma, they might not be able to be in that emotionally adult reality as often as you. Okay. That's okay. If you love them, if you agree to, have you made a commitment? If you have a lot of other areas that you come together on and you can, you know, communicate and cooperate and, you know, there's nobody getting hurt. Then you might say, okay, well, I guess I'll just take that responsibility. I'll be responsible for that. You have to remember that, you know, sometimes when people are in recovery for their codependence, for their childhood trauma, you might think that, well, now I can help other people. Well, that's true if you go to a 12-step meeting or if they ask you to. But, you know, you don't get in a relationship to say, okay, well, I hear I've fallen in love with you. I want to be with you. Now change. That's not good. (laughs) It won't last. It will disintegrate. Because, you know, most of us will change. We all change. It happens as we grow older and get more mature. And, you know, even as you get older, you notice different changes that happen in your body and happen in your mind and that you notice the things that upset you before don't upset you anymore. These things will happen. Changes will occur. And if you are in recovery for your codependence, then you know that it's not your business to make people change the way you want them to. People will change around you just by you paying attention to you and having your boundaries and being self-contained. Those changes will happen because they'll find out that, well, this old way isn't working, so I got to find a new way. And if you were always the one who would jump over there and try and get them see or get them to understand and get them to you know, go along with whatever it is. If you were that one before you got in recovery for your codependence, then you're not doing that anymore. And that can have an impact on your partner who's used to that. So if they're saying something and they're expecting you to leap over there and start trying to 
you know, control what they're doing, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and you're not doing that anymore, they change. Now, how will they change? I don't know, but I would tell you that it will change the dynamics in the relationship. And sometimes, you know, it, it really improves the relationship and enhances the relationship. That's what I've noticed. You know, I've noticed that in relationships, even with your own family of origin, that if you get in recovery for your childhood trauma, and remember, if there was trauma against you, there was trauma in the family and everybody was affected. So if you are just doing your job, staying in your boundary system, not jumping over there, trying to make them be someone else, think something else, and only giving them suggestions, say, when they ask, the relationship with them start to change. And it usually changes for the better at least with you and that person. It might not change all of their relationships because they have their own dynamic, but it will change the dynamics of your relationship with your family of origin members individually, sometimes as a group, but most, most of the time it's individual. That means you do a lot of things like, say you're talking to one family member and they start talking about the other family members in a negative way, and you say, you know, if you have issues with them, I'd really support you in talking to them. But it's just not my business what's going on with them. Unless they want it to be. That kind of stops stops that dynamic. And you can say that to your spouse if they start talking about, you know, what you what they think you ought to be doing, and you just say, you know, what you're thinking about me isn't my business right now. I'm doing the best I can. Um, you know, I have my own reality. I'm own thoughts about that. Or here's my feelings about that. When you're in a primary relationship, you need to be open enough to let people know what's going on. Even if you don't agree with what they're saying. So like, you know, going back to the six-year-old, I'm really upset. I just think we need to get some immediate attention onto this. And you might be thinking, well, I think you're overreacting. Not the thing to say, because now you're talking about you, someone else. But it is a thing to say where I don't agree with that assessment. Here's what I think. You see, when you say it that way, the person could still have their opinion and may not agree with you. And they might come back at you and say, well, you aren't paying attention or you don't know what you're talking about. Or you, it's like, and you don't, as soon as you say, that's not true. I do know what I'm talking about. Now you're what I call in the pig pen. It is no longer about the difference we have here. It's like when I have boundaries in a relationship. It's okay for me to say, well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that assessment. Here's what I think. Like we, 
my my spouse and I we had some we had some interesting conversations about where we should live uh, when we retired. Because what I wanted to do was just move out in the middle of nowhere, build a little house, live off the land. I know how to do that and always wanted to do that. So that's what I wanted to do. My spouse is a city person. We'd been living in cities because, well, my work (laughs) required me to be available. (laughs) And uh, so we ended up living in a medium-sized you know, like 80,000 people. We live in, in a, we live in a house where I can see long distances. So, you know, we we're able to compromise, but it wasn't because she was wrong and I was right or, or I was wrong and she was right. It's like we were able to talk about, and it was a hard decision because this is our rest of our lives. And, but, you know, when you have a commitment in a relationship, you don't ever throw the relationship into the arena. Well, I just can't live with like that. You know, it's like you never say that. You never say I'm going to leave or I'm going to get a divorce. You do that, you're starting to chomp away at the relationship anyway. And she understood where I was coming from and I understood where she was coming from because we had conversations about it. And we're able to reach a compromise. It doesn't mean that you know, it was the most thrilling thing for either of us. But we made it work and we have a, a good life where we live. And I can go out into, you know, mountains or desert and be by myself whenever I want. So I got kind of what I wanted. She got kind of what she wanted and we're all good with it. But we had to know, we had to keep our boundaries intact to even have the conversation. So I hope this has been helpful for you. And I'm just like this person. Um, when they emailed me and wanted me to address these issues, I hope that they got addressed. And let me remind you that any of you can contact me and ask me to address any topic that would be useful at healingyourfamilylegacy at gmail.com. You can also go on my website, donnabevanly.com, and there's a link that you can get to my email there. Uh, So until next time, take care and keep your boundaries. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2022, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.